The following podcast contains explicit language. I have a place to have a mic in my hand. Without that, it's like kryptonite and Superman. Seven times out of ten, we listen to our podcast at night. Thus spawns the title of this program. Facade Podcast, hosted by the two of me. The professor, the student, hip-hop junkie, R&B savant, the radical conservative, hustler, never the informant, the one who seeks to understand while being understood. Here, all are welcome. And I realize that my nerd don't always translate well. So, bear with me. What's up, fam? What y'all been up to? It's been a, um, man, I, I was supposed to get the podcast to y'all yesterday, but it was Memorial Day weekend. Had to do that drive back from Oklahoma to Lubbock. They had a terrible crash on I-35. So I had to dip right, had to dip right and go into some sundown towns. <laughs> on the way to dip back down to 82, 62, to come into the city. So for those of you don't, who don't know what a, what a sundown town is, <laughs> so it's not funny, but historically, a sundown town like in Kellysville, Oklahoma, that's historically a sundown town. Sundown means that if you black and the sun go down, and you in that town, it is likely that you're going to be hanging from something by in the morning. So that was a, it wasn't a scary experience because it was about four o'clock. So the sun was a beaming, right? Clear skies, no rain, gassed up before I had to make the deviation to the left, right? And so I was grateful that I didn't have to stop and get gas or get pulled over. So the speed limit was 75. I was going 71 just to make sure I didn't get pulled over. Checked everything. And so God is good, boy. Whew. Sometimes, all the time, he going to guide you through the places that you don't think you're going to go through to get to the places you don't think you should get through to end up in the place that he wants you. So I'm grateful for that trip. So anyway, it's uh, Memorial Day past. Shout to all the soldiers, you know, that defend this country. I got five Marines in my family, my deceased, Uncle Freddie, Marine Corps, Simple Fi, from Vietnam, Purple Heart. I always pay homage to him first. You know, I got other Marines in my family that have done their thing, right? Still doing their thing, some of which black ops, so I ain't going to say no names. So I give them shouts, peace to them too, for, you know, want to defend my right to be on the phone and hear my phone sound like a shell because the feds is tapping into my conversation, wondering why I think that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is the greatest NBA player of all time over Michael Jordan. Yeah, Michael Jeffrey Jordan. But that's a whole that's a whole nother discussion. So I digress. It's good to be back behind this mic. We looking for a place to call home to record the podcast. Because when I tell y'all, 
we living out of out of studio to studio to studio to studio. There's a lot of hopping going on. I feel like I'm doing double dutch. I'm doing the podcast double dutch to get the facade podcast to the people. So I'm trying to find a spot. Don't know if I'm gonna cop some time in the studio. Don't know if I'm a cop a studio. Don't know if I'm a build a studio. So we're gonna see. Well, we're gonna see what it do. And so I'm happy to to bring this season seven. Sorry, season one, episode seven of the Facade Podcast to y'all today on this Wednesday before I go to Los Angeles, getting ready to do some uh some road tripping, hooked up with some people in Los Angeles. So we're gonna get some visuals for you, get ready to do the Facade Podcast live. We're gonna touch down. We're going from Los Angeles to Portland, from Portland back to the city, to Oklahoma City, to Minnesota, from Minnesota to Pittsburgh, from Pittsburgh to DC, from DC back to the city. Over the next 42 days? So it's going to be a lot. So we're going to get some visuals up on this YouTube Facade Podcast. Yeah. And on the IG. So we're expanding. Got some merch coming. It's people hitting me up for the merch. I, you know what? I appreciate that. For the new listeners, Facade Podcast was created to save my sanity. I went to my therapist and said, hey, I need an outlet everywhere I go. I'm Dr. Hodgkins. I get that. But hey. If we're in McDonald's and I'm ordering number two, don't run up on me and say, Dr. Hodges, what you getting to eat, right? I'm probably not getting nothing. I'm getting away from you, and then I'm going to get something to eat, you dig? And so, anyway, yeah, I, I, I created the podcast as an outlet because I'm a son of hip-hop. I love the culture, but I can't rap about the culture in my class. I don't want to usurp my own cultural authority. You know how that goes. And so, on this podcast, we dive into five topics. Then we get into therapy exercise that my uh, therapist gave me. Either or, neither nor. What we not gonna do? Talking about and the detangle. And so I talked about on a previous podcast about I'm I'm a one of one type of guy, right? So I got a pair of Christian Louboutins. You know, I I got a uh, some what's the name of those glasses I be wearing? What's the glass? So now these are Warby Parkers, not these. The red ones. Uh, Hugh, uh, Tag Howard. Got a pair of Tag Howards. Like, I try to make sure, you know, my fashion sense is just me. Like, I'm out here. I don't never want to be in a place and see a guy with the same outfit that I got on or the same frames or the same watch, the same anything, right? And so I copped a Rolex to honor my graduating from cop from with my PhD. And so I try to do the one of ones, right? But I know it's a whole lot of people that got an Apple Watch, right? So I got the first Apple Watch. My son be wearing it now, but I got the first Apple Watch. When I copped it, it was $899 because I, I got the silver band that you could swap out and wear with the suit, right? And so he be rocking the band. He be dressing up with it. He be dressing down with it. He looking nice. But I got, as a gift for my family, an Apple Watch, the black joint with the black band, you know, so I be working out because I be on the, uh, what's that called? We sit, what's, the, what's the thing when you sit down? We do the uh, the rowing. So I be doing the rowing, you know, tracking my heart rate to, let me tell y'all something. I know that some of y'all are athletes, ex-athletes, or ain't athletes. 2,000 meters on a rower is nuts. It, it ain't for the faint of heart. Instant sweating, extra tired, feel like you can't breathe, might die. On it. So I, I be wearing it when I work out. So Saturday, 
Like I had, it was a lot of weeds in the yard, right? And so, cause I hadn't got that first cut of the coming back cause it just rains in the city all the time. So I didn't get a chance to put the fertilizer down. The yard was needing to cut. It was weeds everywhere, right? And so I was like, okay, I'm finna get up and go to the gym, right? But first I walked around outside in the yard. And so I was scrolling through my settings, right? So I didn't realize that cut the yard, wash the car, you know, that those were settings, right? I was I scrolled through the Apple Sets for workouts. You know, so normally I do, they got an inside workout, outside workout, inside walk, or run. They got rowing. And I'm scrolling down. It say cut the yard. <laughs> what? <laughs> and watch the car too, right? So what I didn't know is you can go into Apple settings and add your own workouts. So I'm asking people in my house, first of all, who had my Apple Watch? And second of all, why you put cut the yard and wash the car as a workout setting on my phone? Come to find out, my family conspiring against me. So I had to wash three cars on Saturday. And after I picked all the weeds, I cut the yard and did the flower bed. And guess what? I, you, I didn't know this. You can burn a lot of calories. Washing the car and cut the yard for sure. Don't be so guys. Don't cut the yard during the middle of the day when it's 107. Try to cut it in early in the morning or late at night. But I brought that up because I didn't realize that you can set that you can set your own workouts in your Apple Watch and watch your family. Cause it's a third workout on there. <laughs> Called the break off. I don't know what that means, but I'm definitely gonna ask and try to figure out what that workout is about. I got, I got, I got an idea about about what the break off workout is about. I don't know yet. I think my kids programmed in wash car. My daughter probably put, typed in wash car. My son probably typed in cut the yard. But wifey, <laughs> she probably typed in. The break-off workout, because I know it's, just, it's preset schedule for five days a week out of seven. So what I'm not going to do is kill myself doing the breakout workout substantially, sufficiently, right? Not going to do that. So anyway, I'm inquiring. I, I know more about that, about that setting when I talk to y'all again on the back end. Second thing, went to Oklahoma, right, for graduation, and so I'm mindful that as a professor, I'm starting to, I don't want to sound anti-education, right? But some young people are better off being entrepreneurs than they are being learning how to work for someone or getting a skill set, right? So for instance, if you can learn how to be an electrician, pursue that. You might be good at that. If you could go to the Marine Corps, Go to the Marine Corps, right? Because the debt load, like for instance, so shout out to Jazzy and Rachel, right? My line brother's daughters, they going to SMU and Spelman, right? I got Malik and Malise, my cousins, like little cousins. They getting ready to go to, where they going? They getting ready to go to, um, where they going? Southwest Oklahoma State. 
and the University of Oklahoma? No, Oklahoma State. They getting ready to go to those places, right? And so I'm mindful that when, when young kids graduate, they aspire to go to the next place in life, right? But sometimes that next place in life ain't necessarily what's best for them. So as a young person, you got to figure out, you know, what works for you as it relates to going to college, right? So I got to thinking, I was like, like when we graduate, when students graduate, what they graduate into? Ultimately, they graduate into debt, right? And so you get a, you spend $120,000 for a degree, for an acting degree, <laughs> like <laughs> you're going to be hurting. Like you got, you got the degree, but you're going to be in debt. Right, so that debt load is gonna be high, right? And so it just got me to thinking about how 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 do we route kids into the right into the right spaces, right? And, and I get it, you know, I got my degree from SMU, I got my degree from University of Oklahoma, I got my degree from University of Utah, and so it makes sense to me. I'm a proponent of education, but what I'm not a proponent of is kids going into debt, right? And so you know, ugh, I wrestle with that. Like, I wonder what y'all, I want y'all to hit me in the DMs, what y'all tell y'all kids about college. Because as college expenses go up, like with my kids, some went to college, I tell them, get your college loans. I pay the college loans while you're in college. So when you graduate, we'll be at the end of the debt. So you won't, you know, the interest won't compound until you get out. So essentially, instead of me paying $20,000 up front, you just took the loan, they paid the money up front, and I paid your debt off before you graduated with no interest. Now, that's how we do it. But I was just curious about how y'all do it. So y'all give me some insight about what that looks like. Because I want people, I want students to go their path, right? Because it's often that you feel like you got to get two degrees. I had to get three degrees. But I got people like my LB who doing his thing at Nike. He got one degree. And he is killing it, right? And so sometimes it take one degree. Sometimes it take three degrees. I got partners that's attorneys. You know, it took two degrees, and so it just depends. So, you know, even though I believe that the purpose of education is to stratify the citizenry, because I'm mindful, in order for me to get a $7 drink of coffee, somebody got to be locked out of education to pick those coffee beans, right? I understand how education works, but I just, I want it to work better. So as we think about education and graduation, how do we celebrate our kids without, as we push them from high school into college, knowing the inevitable that they might have to go into debt, in order, in order to pursue a, um, a certain social mobility that they'll have or be afforded if and when they graduate and if and when they secure that job opportunity after that. So congratulations to all the high school graduates class of 2019 for college graduates class of 2019. Congratulations to y'all. Keep doing it big. Topic number three. Every time I go home, I have the luxury of being around my elders. So if you listen to Funeral Protocols, you know that my Uncle Johnny passed at 81 years old. My pops is 81 years old. My mom's is 77 years old. My bio mom is 68 years old. My Aunt Joanne, who was married to my Uncle Johnny, is 78 years old. And so when the family comes together, so my cousin Daryl on Memorial Day Sunday had a cook out of his house. 
And so when I tell you, they laid it out quite flat. So I'm trying to be, I mentioned this before, a black vegan by December 31st, 2019, right? So I'm, I ain't ate pork and beef in years, maybe two years, 18 months. But, you know, I, eggs is going to be hard. That's my final frontier. I don't drink milk. I don't eat yogurt anymore. Eggs is difficult, you know, but fish, fish is difficult too. But what is most difficult is barbecue Simmer saute chicken thighs. Whoa! <laughs> like chicken thighs? Oh man, it's, it's hard to not eat them chicken thighs. And so my cousin Daryl, he had ribs. I didn't touch those ribs because pork is nasty, but I did touch up on some of them chicken thighs. And so as we're sitting around the couch, we uh watch this BET show. Uh, what is it? Other people, games people play. I had never seen that show ever in life, right? Never seen that show ever in life. And so that's a great show. It's it's uh, it's kind of soft porn. It's kind of soft porn. <laughs> but, but I mean, if you're into por in porn, I'm not into porn. But if you're into soft porn, it's kind of soft porn. But I like the storyline. It's kind of funny. It's uh, people living real life. It's basketball stars again. So it reminds me of a previous show created by Kelsey Grammer that we're not going to discuss. But it reminds me of a previous show. It's kind of replicated storyline about how to get into the game and social media and be a, you know, a, a paid Instagram model or a person that blogs, that's gossipy. I don't really like that, but it was a good show. So anyway, we're sitting around talking, right? And, and it's a lot of, a lot of misnomers, right? That get passed from generation to generation. And these may be blackisms because I ain't never heard another cultural group talk about it. But my mama said, cause so, so it was raining and the sun was out. And my mama said, the devil must be beating his wife. And my aunt Joanne said, yeah, yeah, must be beating pretty good. It's raining, the sun's out. And I said, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> so it took me back to all the sayings that my parents, like my elders said, when I was seven, I believed it instantly. Because it was them telling me. I love them. I wanted to hear what they had to say. It made complete sense. But I said, hold on for a second. If the devil is beating his wife, it's raining outside. And so my scholar me kicked in. And I was like, okay. That's, you know, that's misogynistic. That's the, that's the patriarch. That's the, you know, sexist. It's blah, blah, blah. So I just stepped to my mama and my great aunt, Angel Ann. But I, I, I humbly, I, you know, I dialed it back. I, I lowered that volume. It took the bass out of my voice. And I was like, excuse me. Uh, I have a question about the, the previous statement that you made. <laughs> and they was like, what? I said, explain to me. How come if it's raining outside, the devil's beating a wife? His wife. And they looked at me like I poured acid in a coffee cup and told him to drink it. Like, hey, it is what it is. Don't say nothing. I was waiting for one of them to say, what we're not going to do is challenge what I'm saying. Because, right, you know, right after that, if a black woman ever tell you what we're not going to do, hey, duck. <laughs> you better get your duck game right. And so they was like, that's just what my mama told me and my grandma told me. And I was like, okay, so y'all didn't challenge that? that? That ain't like a metaphor? Y'all took that literally? And they was like, yeah, they took it literally. And so, sidebar. Older black people that's Christian believe that they believe that they believe whatever has been told to them about God when they was in their 30s, 
when, sorry, when they was in 1930, <laughs> 1940, and 1950. <laughs> All the elders in my family graduated from high school in the 50s. Like 54, 55, 56, 57. So there's certain things about Jesus that you're just not going to say or about that Bible that you just ain't going to question. And so I asked, I wasn't being a smart person, but I got called a smart ass for asking the question. I said, show me the scripture in the Bible where it talks about the devil beating his wife as it is coupled to it's raining outside. And so my mama, I see my mama reach down for her shoe to take her, her heel out the end of the shoe. So I just left that conversation. I left that conversation. I just left, I left out the, because she's at the table with the big table with the elders eat where you can, you got to be 50 and older to sit at that table. So I wasn't sitting, I was sitting in the living room eating. And so I just, I walked out. I walked out the room because yeah, that, that conversation was going to end. I thought it was a premonition to see her reach. I don't think she was scratching her ankle. What I thought was she's about to throw something in my head. <laughs> so her shoe specifically. So I, I, I hastily, I hastily vacated the premises. And that, that leads me to my fourth thing. So I grew up in a world where DHS never got called because you got to be down in public. <laughs> so DHS, I don't, I don't think I heard DHS. I never heard the letters DHS until like I was like... It, like out of college. Like I didn't really know. I was like almost 30 before I heard the term like DHS. Well, what is that? It's DHS. What is that about? It's like, is it part of where you go get your, your license and pay your tickets? And they was like, no, nah, that's a DMV. DHS is where you go it's dealing with child protective services and you know, all the stuff you got to pay and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay. And so I was in the city, right? So I went to Oklahoma city you know, we had to go to Costco and get an extra slab of ribs. So I was in Costco and I seen a black woman that had to be 15 years my senior. And she was with a white child that maybe was like five. And so I thought to myself, okay, well, maybe she's the grandma. So the white child didn't look mixed or biracial. As my grandma would say, mulatto, didn't look mulatto. So I was like, okay, why is this white child with this black woman? Right? And so... They was walking in the same aisle that I was walking in. I'm trying to, my H1C is kind of high. I don't want to get diabetes, so I've been kicking sugar. But I was walking down the aisle where they got the almonds. Man, so the chocolate cover almonds in Costco, boy, they to die for to taste. So if I had a bag of diamonds, I would exchange the bag of diamonds for the, that's the clear see-through thing with the tan top. Of the chocolate covered almonds, boy, <laughs> I'm getting those every single time. So I'm walking down the aisle and I hear the little white boy, he giving her, you know, extra talking back, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm not looking. So they behind me, right? So they're not scuffling, but I'm, I'm not, I'm looking I'm, as I'm walking forward. I hear him say to her, you can't tell me what to do. And so he didn't, he didn't, he didn't add Nana to that or nanny or grandma it wasn't no laugh it wasn't no playful manner right and then i heard like i heard stuff like i heard stuff shuffling and i and i didn't want to you know i it sounded like he was getting snatched up by the collar or by his drawers or like she grabbed him by the belt and lifted him up off the ground because he he was like well stop stop don't do don't don't and so then i heard her distinctly it's like the sound went on pause I heard her say, excuse me, baby. Do you have a belt on? 
<sighs> so the first thing I thought was, I don't want to be accomplice to a crime of this white baby getting to get beat down by this black grandma or older mama in Costco. So guess what I did? <laughs> I looked for the exit of that aisle, and right before I did that, I'd say, yes, ma'am. <laughs> and she said, hand it to me right now. And I'd never seen this black woman ever, but the look that she had in her eyes automatically took me back to nine years old. I took that belt off as fast as I could. I handed it to that black woman and watched her put in work, 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 work. <laughs> And he, and he was crying and screaming, and he had on shorts, and she was hitting him on the legs. Woo! So when she got through his legs, it looked like he had on red long johns underneath his shorts after she whooped him. It was nuts. And it was people in the aisle I would see. So I don't know if y'all remember Purple Rain, but it's a scene in there after Prince Daddy dies, and Morris Day and his band walks by Prince dressing room, and they walk past, they look at him, stop, and then they continue to walk. And then they lean back into the doorway, and then Prince and Morris Day says to Prince, "How's the family?" And they all laugh after Prince Daddy tried to commit suicide, which was terrible. It was people walking down the aisle, like from aisle six to aisle eight. We was in aisle seven. They stopped, watched that little baby get whooped, <laughs> walked to, to aisle eight where you couldn't see nobody no more, and leaned back to see him finish getting whooped and walked off. Nobody called nothing. Didn't nobody call DHS. Didn't nobody call the police. Nothing. She said, thank you, baby. God bless you. Handed me back my belt. I didn't know if I should leave it at the scene of the crime. <laughs> I mean, it's an expensive, expensive belt. I just got it. So I put that belt on, and I tiptoed out that owl because I didn't want her to whoop me. I didn't know who she knew that I knew. <laughs> but it just got me to thinking, every kid needs a whooping one time, especially in a public space, it'll get your mind extra, extra right. I remember getting a whooping several times growing up in a public space. So by the time I was seven, I think that was the last time my mama whooped me. I might have been six or seven because I knew better then to be quiet. Don't touch nothing. Don't put nothing in the bag, in the basket. None of that. And especially don't tell my mama, you can't whoop me. Especially. Because every time it's going to end like the way that it ended for that for that white baby. That was the first time I ever seen a white child get whooped ever. But in public, for sure. <laughs> for sure. And, and this is the fifth thing, right? Because <laughs> we're 26 minutes in. <laughs> so I don't go out to eat often, right? Because again, I'm trying to I'm trying to transition to being a black vegan. And so I'm just trying to make sure my diet is right. So I don't go out and eat often. But when I go out, I see the celebratory. I'm with my folks. I'm with my family, right? So we decided to go to, uh, before we before we make the drive to for, for Memorial Day weekend, to go to Chili's, right? Now, the, the cheddar fries, again, cheese going to be hard for me to give up along with, you know, eggs. But we make the, we come in, we welcome by the, the lady that, that sits us down, the, uh, is it concierge or is that a hotel? The garçon? Is that garçon? I, I don't know. The person that greets you at Chili's right when you come in. So they seat us down. And then the person that came to serve us, our server, didn't have teeth in their mouth. 
Like, no teeth at all. Like, no wooden teeth, no veneers, <laughs> no, re no regular teeth at all. Right? And I'm not, so I'm not no teeth shaming. I'm not that guy. I'm no, I'm not no teeth shaming. Trust me, I don't do that. But I called over the manager and I said, <laughs> disrespectfully as I could, is this person going to be our server? And he said, yes. I said, do that person eat here <laughs> for lunch? <laughs> or do they go somewhere else to eat? And he looked puzzled. And he said, well, why would you ask that? I said, because if they eat lunch here, <laughs> I don't want my mouth to look like that when I leave here. <laughs> Because my server don't have no teeth in their mouth. And if you want me to order, you better give me a new server. <laughs> and so he, he looked like at me like I thought I was elitist. I wasn't being elitist. I was just saying. Because he didn't say. That was his moment as the manager to interrupt and be like, yo, uh, I eat here and I got teeth. I don't even got no cavities. Or Melissa and uh, Mortimer, they eat here. They employees, they got teeth. You know, they they still going. He didn't interrupt. He, did, he didn't say, I eat here. He just said, I'll get you a new server. <laughs> so I got a new server. And I asked that new server when she came to my table, do you eat here? And she said, no, not really. And I was like, exactly. So I didn't get to the other person not having no teeth because I'm sure they work together, so she already knew that. But I was thinking to myself, this person may be the only person that eats at Chili's in here. And that's why they ain't got no teeth in their mouth. And I'm going to keep my teeth. So no, no teeth, please. <laughs> I don't want that. No teeth. I'm going to keep my teeth. Now, I mean, I got a couple cavities. And matter of fact, man, I need to get a root canal. So I've, been hold, I've, been, I've been holding off a root canal for like 14 months. Because I had I got one before, and I don't want to get another one. Because I cried. Whew, Lord, I cried. So I hate the concept of even a root canal, of, take, of killing a root, of taking a root out of tooth. Like, I, yeah. Whew, I, I don't want to do that. I'm not doing that. But... I, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm not elitist. And if you work in any facet of service area, if you ain't got no teeth in your mouth, come on, man. Really? I mean, I know you need to work, but food? Nah, nah. You definitely, you definitely don't, you don't need to work in food. Like, if you're going to be serving people food, because the first thing I ask is, what's the best thing on the menu? And how would you know if you're gumming it? <laughs> how would you know if you're gumming it? So I'm not a foodie leaders, but that's, you know, that's how I feel about it. So that, that was the fifth thing. And so this is the segment. We 30 minutes in. This is the segment of my therapy exercise, right? My therapy exercise. So my therapist was like, who is the greatest hip hop producer ever in the history of hip hop? And what's your favorite song by that person and why? Whew. Man, it's all because I grew up in Oklahoma. I heard all type of music. I, I got the panoramic sonic experience of hip-hop, right? So I know what sounds good in my ear. I get it. So I was thinking, okay, Dr. Dre is the greatest West Coast producer ever. Kanye West is the greatest Midwest producer ever. Ever. The greatest Southern producer? Oh. Ooh, so I know people extend the South. I don't consider Virginia to be part of the South. It's like the Northeast to me on the map. So I mean, uh, oh, for uh. So the greatest Southern producer to me is either Jermaine Dupree, 
Timberland or Pharrell. And I kind of discount Pharrell because he's the Neptunes. So I don't know if three people was in there making a track or if it was just him making a track. So I think it was, you know, uh, I think it's, okay, I'm going to say Jermaine Dupree. Jermaine Dupree got a body of work that's greater than Timberland's. So I would say Dre West Coast, Kanye West, Midwest, Jermaine Dupree, South, East Coast, greatest producer ever to me, hands down, is RZA. R-Z-A, hands down. So RZA's my choice for greatest producer in hip-hop history. And, and I'm, I'm going to defend my point and tell you exactly why. Word up. Look out for the cops, though. Cash food shit. Word up. Two for fives over here, baby. Word up. Two for fives. Niggas got garbage down the way. Word up. Word up. Cash <laughs> everything around me. Creamed it. Yeah. Check this old fly shit out. Oh, man. Word up. Cash food everything around me. Creamed it. The money. Here we go. Check this shit. Yeah. I grew up on the mm. crime side. Mm. The New York mm. Times side. Mm. Saying mm. the lie was no job. At second hands. Moms bounced on old men. So then we moved to Shallon Land. A young dude, you're rocking the go-to. No goose, only way I begin to cheat you. It's drug loot. So pause. I pause it right there. That right there is my favorite Wu-Tang Clan joint ever in life. Cream. Gotta get the money. Dollar dollar bill, y'all. But we want we don't want to do the legacy of just Wu-Tang Clan, right? So we got Enter the 36 Chambers. Dropped in 1993. We got Wu-Tang Forever. Dropped in 1997. We got The W. Dropped in 2000. We got Iron Flag. Dropped in 2001. Right? And so I'm, I'm, I'm finna hit, the, I'm finna hit the, the Google. You know. Look at uh, RZA produced songs. Or albums. Right? So RZA got his, dis, his discography. It's nuts. He did. Could have been that it was all so simple to hit. But don't, don't. He did that. He did shame on a they trying to run game on a but with the trigger. He did that from Old Dirty. So if you look at Old Dirty's album, so if you just break down the woo like discography, right? Just break down, just break down all of the albums that he produced on. He produced on the Jizzes album. Liquor Swords, he produced on, like I said, all the Wu-Tang joints. He produced on the Grave Diggers. He produced on Method Man's Takao. He, <laughs> he even produced on Shaquille O'Neal's Shaq Fu, The Return, right? Cypress Hill. He produced on, man, uh, like I said, Old Dirty Bastards album. Uh, Raekwon, Only Built for Cuban Links. Gold Diggers. Uh, I'm sorry, Grave Diggers. Where my head at? <laughs> he produced on Ghostface Killers, Iron Man, Killer Armies, Camouflage Ninjas, Wake Up 2, that was the 12-inch Shaheems, The Lost Generation, right? And that's, that's, all, that's all before 1997, right? AZ's Pieces of Man in 98, Big Puns, Capital Punishment in 98, Capadonna's The Pillage on the Method Man to Cal 2000 album, his own Bobby Digital joint, Sons of Man, they should be first. I mean, it's just Wu-Tang Killer Bees the Swarm. That's all before 1999, right? And so to me, I'm like, RZA to me? Man, Ghostface Killer Supreme Clientele, 
that's all before 2000, right? That don't have nothing to do with all the work that he done done since. So to me, the reason, so I, you know, I respect Jay Dilla. I, I respect a, a lot of MCs and producers who done done work. I respect 40s work with Drake. Hey, man, ain't none of that this. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That ain't this. I always say, them box of braids ain't the same as these cornrows, right? And so, RZA, he, hey, he, he put it in. To me, he's the greatest hip-hop producer ever to do it, right? And so, I'm going I'm to a, I'm a close with this joint because this, man, this joint was my extra favorite of extra favorites. And it, was, it wasn't even cream. It was, uh, hold on, let me see. It was Wu-Tang, like, songs. Man, what's, what's the name of the Wu-Tang joint? Hold on. I'm finna find it. Because it was extra hot. It was like the ice cream? No. Oh, what was it called? Man. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Here you go. Right here. <laughs> All up in your guts. Chocolate Deluxe is getting touched. It's scooped in the ice cream truck and tears it up. Your honey dips some time So the Wu-Tang, they was, they was that joint, man. 100%. Wu-Tang was that excellent joint. So RZA, that's my, that's my person. He's, he's my GOAT producer of all time. And why his discography from 93 to 2000 is better than Dre's. It's better than uh, Jermaine Dupri's. It's better than, well, I mean, you know, Kanye came after that. But it's just, it's just a different era. And so much props due to RZA. Yeah, arm, leg, leg, arm, head to RZA and the Wu-Tang Clan. So, that was that. This this all we're getting ready to get into right now, 39 minutes in, is what I call either or, neither, nor. So, this, this section is, is, is filled in by, so we, so we went to a comedy show at this place called Ice Entertainment, on the east side in Oklahoma City because I've been working on my seven-minute comedy skit, 30-minute comedy skit. So so let me, let me be clear. When September roll around, your boy Doc Hot's going to be doing some comedy coming to a city near you because I got to get this facade podcast live ready so when we go to these college campuses because, boy, do we got some announcements to make for the fall and the spring. So anyway, I went to the comedy show, and it was really cool. 
It was something I forgot the name of the dude, but this comedy was it was funny to me. It was black funny. So I remember when Chris Rock told Kevin Hart, "You black famous, I'm famous famous." Like I, I get what that means, right? So when when Chappelle tell jokes, they about the cult. Everybody, people in the culture and outside of the culture can relate. When Kevin Hart told jokes when he first started off, they was he was black funny, right? And so I get that. I get the cultural nuances of the hilarity of blackness. I understand it completely. And so this comedy, this comedian was black famous. But I seen all these people in there as we started talking that was single. So it was me and my cousins that went, all guys. My man's Kelly. You know, it was people that were single. And so I had these conversations with my single cousins that's young. They got college degrees. Can't find nobody. And then I started talking to, you know, people that I graduated. Every time I go home, I try to hook up with people that I ain't seen in a while. And the, so the women in me was like, I can't. I can't do it. I can't find nobody to love me. That's that everybody just playing. It's just everybody out here just want to have sex again and again with no attachment. Don't want to see you unless you're coming over to have sex. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, that's extra terrible. <laughs> oh, man, that's terrible to have somebody that you could just call to have sex whenever you want to with no commitments. They ain't on your bank account. They ain't in your will. They don't get half of your stuff. Like, they just want to have sex and leave you, and you don't have to be invested in their development? Oh, man, that's terrible. <laughs> oh, boy, that's that's horrible. <laughs> so I was like, you know, okay, I get it. They, they ready to be married. They For some reason, they didn't get married in their 20s, so now they're 30 or 40, or they didn't, haven't found nobody to marry and spend the rest of their lives with for those who want to get married. So I get that. So it got me to thinking, right? Like, dating is either you just wasting your money trying to figure out who you're going to marry or it's an exercise in narcissism, right? To see how long you can keep somebody interested in you long enough for you to stop caring about them because you know that y'all not going to get married, <laughs> right? Like, that, that's, that's what it is. Like, you, you meet somebody new, you date them, which date, so back in the day, my daddy told me this term Dutch. So that means if you ask somebody to go out, Dutch means she paying for her and you paying for you, right? So I, I would structure my ask back in the day. Like I would say, hey, I'm going to the movies. Do you want to go? That's not a date to me. That's Dutch. I'm going to putt-putt. Do you want to go? Like that's Dutch. I'm, I'm not dating you. You're going to meet me there. I'm not picking you up. I'm not bringing no flowers. We just going. We're going to both meet the destination together. Me saying, hey, I would like to take you out. That's dating. And for what I hear in 2019, that's hella expensive, right? That's extra expensive. And so if you're single, you go out on two or three dates a week, whether they Dutch or you pay. If you paying, whoo, like if you paying, like you could have. That could have been like an Audi car payment that you could have had. You could have had that A8 for that $325 that you paying a month to go out on dates with various people. Well, Range Rover, maybe $8.95. If you're going out on two or three dates a week, yeah, you paying to take her out or take him out, whoo, and I, I ain't about the gender norms. So if you're a woman and you want to pay to take a man out, do what you do. If you're a man and you want to take a woman out, I think you should do that. Because that's just, as a man, as, just, as a gentleman, that might sound sexist, but I just think that's what you should do. Like, if you just waste the money, right? Trying to figure out who you're going to marry. Because um, ultimately, you're going to marry one person. 
Right? So like I told so for instance, I got so my I, we went to Malika Malise party and it's it's a, a cousin there and he was like he got like I think he got like three baby mamas or four or whatever. And you know, he was like, I want to get married. Because his other cousin Shane got married. And I was like, man, if Shane can get married, man, you can get married. I said, here's what you do. Invite all four of your baby mamas over for dinner. Cook dinner, take a cooking class, or cook your favorite thing. Tell them to dress up. Don't bring the kids. Drop all the kids off. Have a bottle of wine, grandma yay, whatever it is that you drink, and tell them, hey, I wanted y'all to come to be in this space tonight because we got a decision to make. And then you let them know there was a time when I loved all of y'all or I never loved any of y'all. We just did the one night stand. I don't know how your kids was born or how they was you know, created or whatever. But you tell them, hey, at the end of the night, I'm going to marry one of y'all. So we're going to have a conversation, a group conversation, and I'm going to marry one of y'all. I'm going to make up my mind tonight, right? And then just be cool with all of them. See how the conversation goes. A lot of people are attracted to how people look. Looks don't do nothing for me. Like your intellect, that's the key for me, right? I married a smart woman, smarter than me in a lot of aspects of life. Because again, intellect is about specialization. If we're talking about campus racial climate and racial trauma caused by racial battle fatigue, gender noir racial battle fatigue specifically, I'm your guy. I'm talking, I'm running circles around you intellectually. We're having that conversation. But if we're talking about Graviton fields or bee pollinization or, you know, how to clean these baseboards. <laughs> I don't know how to clean no baseboards. I learned after I got married. I, I, I'm, you can eat off the baseboards I clean now, but I learned. Like, we're going to have a conversation. I told him to have a conversation about that. Because otherwise, if you don't get married, you're going to spend a small fortune taking people out that you ain't going to marry. And what, what's even worse is, what if you spend all that time and you don't marry anybody, any of them? That's extra trash. You you wasted extra money because you didn't get to you didn't get to know them right to the point where you want to marry them. But it goes right to the to the or right. It's narcissism. It's you. You don't want to get married, really. You just want to run people off. I know people like that. They only happy when they sad, and that's a terrible commentary on their humanity. But I know a couple people, and I ain't gonna say your names. They guys across gender, uh, guys and girls, uh, women and men. Uh, male and female, like you know, you ain't happy unless you're sad, and that's terrible because you dating somebody that you ain't gonna be with. You did they they open up to you, expose their weaknesses to you, and then you call them weak and cast them to the side. Y'all know who y'all are, listeners out there. I used to be like that, right? Until I got in my situation that was better, made me better, right? So I got married, and y'all out there. Either wasting money or being narcissistic because you know you ain't you don't meet people and tell them, hey, we're gonna spend the next seven months with me making you believe I care about you. Then I'm gonna break your heart and leave you at the end of this. But I just want to see to what depths I can take you to see if I still got it. <laughs> that's absolutely terrible. But I know a few people that that's how they live. They terrible. I remember when I was younger, an elder once told me this. It's two types of people. Boomerangs and Frisbees. Throw them both away as hard as you can. And the boomerang is going to come back to you every single time. Marry that person. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> what? 
Yeah, the, my elder was like, hey, she was like, uh, people don't fall in love at the same rate. So you need to always be married to somebody, be with somebody that's more in love with you than you in love with them. And at, at the time, I was like, man, that's absolutely crazy. Why would you marry somebody that you could throw away, right? And they come back to you every time. Ah. Uh, <laughs> taste the soup. Uh, <laughs> like that, it makes sense. Not that I'm for throwing people away. Don't never throw nobody away. But what I'm saying is, that was that elder logic that back in the day when I was seven, I just went with it, that now I'd be like, ah, oh, okay. Yeah, if you want to be with somebody that's going to be with you, that loves you more than you love them, then those boomerangs, marry those people or be single and keep wasting money or keep being narcissistic, right? And, and be lonely and not happy because it's the difference between being alone and lonely. I don't want none of y'all to be lonely because being lonely is extra trash, right? So don't do that. That takes me into <laughs> my neither nor, right? So again, I'm not elitist. I've done more reading in the last five years than I did my whole life prior to that. No, that's not, that's not true. That's not true because I started graduate school. I started my PhD in 08. So in the last 11 years, man, I did more reading in the last 11 years than I did the whole 30 years before that, right? Way more. And so I got my places that I like to go read. So, you know, like Mark Lamont Hill, he got a read, he got a, a, a bookstore in Philly that I would love to go to, right? But it's a coffee shop, too. Oh, sidebar, Mark Lamont Hill is getting a new show called Black Coffee. I want everybody to watch it. Uh, I low-key admire Mark Lamont Hill. He's a cool dude. When he came to the University of Utah, I want to say in, like, 2015, they, you know, they had me go pick him up. Every time somebody black, Jesse Jackson... Had came to go speak. They had me go pick him up from the airport. Except for Talib Kweli, who totally showed his ass when he came. So I'm glad I didn't pick him up. But I picked Mark Lamont Hill up. And we went to breakfast because his room wasn't ready. So we spent like three hours talking in the lobby. And man, that dude dropped extra knowledge on me. He, Mark Lamont Hill is approachable. He's a cool dude. So watch his show. But that goes back to, in certain places I want to read at and it be cool. Right? And so... It got me to thinking. So I go to Barnes and Nobles a lot. So they don't got the Starbucks coffee. They got the Barnes and Noble coffee, which is the bootleg, because that ain't really Starbucks. But they serve Starbucks coffee, but they really don't, because it ain't the same. Trust me. When you go in and get the cold brew with the cascara foam on it, with the uh, sprinkles of caramel on top, I need that. When I get it at Barnes and Nobles, it ain't the same as when I get it at Starbucks. It's kind of like knockoff. Like, you know, I get the Fruit Loops at Walmart. But I get the Fruity Loops at the dollar store, right? It's like the uh, M&M's. I get the M&M's at Target, the big bag that's like $9. I shouldn't do it because it's going to raise my sugar levels. But I get the M&M's at the Dollar Tree, right? So it just ain't the same. So I went to Barnes & Noble because I like to read. That's my place, right? So my neither is ambiance, right? So no matter what Barnes & Nobles I go to, this is going to sound terrible. <laughs> it always looks like a place where homeless people go to read. And I, I hate to say that. 
That sounds terrible. But I feel uncomfortable when I go in there. It's books on the floor. It's kids running around. It's loud in there. And, and, and it's always a couple people that look like they could have been homeless. Or, 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 like they've been on tour for 72 straight days at venues where they didn't get to sleep. They was drunk. They got high. And they got beat up all on stage in front of the audience and took right to the back where they slept on the floor that day, that night. And then when they woke up, they came to Barcelona's to get a, to get a book and buy some of the bootleg uh, uh, coffee cold brew with the not cascara foam on top and sat right next to me, smelling like all that mosh pit. That's 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 it. So I'm not saying they homeless. Um, they could be gainfully employed again for 72 straight nights, right? But they, every time I go to Barnes and Nobles, it ain't well kept. Like who cleans up Barnes and Nobles after that? I'm not. I don't. I don't understand that. It makes me completely uncomfortable when I go into that space. I, I don't like it. Like it's just. I just, yeah. I just. I, I don't. I. I just wish they was more efficient. And when they cleaned up Barnes and Noble, so when I got a chance to go there, right? It, it just. It, it look a little. It look a little different for me, and you know, I'm not saying it's all about me. But Barnes and Nobles, it, it only, it just don't look well kept. So I don't like going in there. The people's rude at the cash register. All the sales is up. All the, you know, the the sales is up, up front, sitting at the front, and it's like they forcing you to get it. There's been plenty of times I've been bullied into buying something I don't want to buy, or 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 I got bullied into buying the, the subscription thing that they give you. Like it, it don't get. They give you like twenty cents of coupons a year. And I got to pay for that. It's like $24. I'm never going to get that $24 back. I didn't got bullied into doing that at the, bar at the Barnes & Noble cash register. And I consider myself OG. Like, I stay in the gym. I'm Black Baby Hulk. I'm looking good. I'm down to two, 209 pounds. Six weeks ago, I was at 226. Doing that intermittent fasting and working out. Right? Rowing. Got me looking right. But I felt, you know, that I, I got bullied. I, I mean, I felt like I, like I would be homeless if I didn't get the... The little thing that they got when you a member, a member, air quotes, you a member where you get to pay $24 a month. They really extorting you for $23 a month because you're only going to get $20 worth of coupons that add up to like maybe a dollar over a, a month, right? So I've, I've been bullied before. So I understand that. I, I don't want to get bullied again. So it, that goes to the ambiance or my or is Starbucks. So I love Starbucks. But every time I go in there, I don't feel like I can be black in Starbucks, right? Like, my coffee's black, and I love my black coffee, but that's the only thing black in Starbucks. Like, I, I ain't never... So, I've been to every airport, <laughs> and I don't know if this is purposeful, every airport I've been to, black people is working at the Starbucks in the airport. I don't care if it's Detroit. I don't care if it's Salt Lake. I don't care if it's uh, Austin, Texas. I don't care if it's uh, Oklahoma City. Uh, everywhere I go in the airport, black people, they work in that Starbucks. But when I go to Starbucks in the city, I ain't never been in a Starbucks where everybody's black from the front door to the back door. Like the manager's black, all the baristas are black, the janitor's black, like everybody's black, the security's black. Not that you need security in a Starbucks, but I have been in a Starbucks that needed security in Atlanta. I don't know why they needed security. So I just went in there real quick and got my cold brew with the cascara with the actual caramel you know, crumbs on top. I did that. And so, yeah, I want to see that. When I go to Starbucks, like the aesthetic is what? It ain't human. I don't see no pictures of humans on the wall. I just see coffee beans, coffee bean tree, how coffee beans are grown. 
And it's, you know, the closest thing to it being black is that the aesthetic is brown. And I can put my brown hand up against the wall, the wallpaper, and my hand disappear into the brownness. But that's as black as it gets in Starbucks. So I don't feel like they know me in there. When I sit down, I put my head from my AirPods in my ears immediately. Oh, sidebar. Uh, guess who got a new pair of AirPods mailed to his house from United Airlines? <laughs> and we, we, I ain't going to get into it because some of y'all going to be faking, acting like you lost an AirPod. So I ain't going to tell you how to do it. But I got a brand new pair of AirPods right now. I'm looking at them. I, I would be recording with them, but I can't figure out a way to sync the wireless to my mic because I don't got a wireless mic. But when I do, I'm going to be recording with the AirPods. So anyway, when I walk into Starbucks, I put my AirPods in my ear because guess what? My Facade Podcast playlist that is the warm-up or the cool-down on Spotify, by the way. You can go download it to your phone. Is extra hot. Way more hot than the coffee that came in my cup and the music that they playing over the loudspeaker in Starbucks. I mean, and I, I appreciate Pat Benatar, right? And I, I appreciate, uh, what's the, what's the, uh, man, uh, Ariana Grande. I appreciate Corn. Like, I used to listen to Corn back in the day in the Teen Spirit. What was the, uh, what was the, uh, dude that shot seven in the head? Right, Cole Cobain. I forgot the name of the group. Kurt Cobain. I appreciate all that, right? But when I'm there reading, I need to feel like my black is walking in the door with me. I, I want to hear Cardi B on a loudspeaker. I want to hear KRS-One. I want to hear, uh, that's my son that said his son of business for the side. She is something, something, and I don't know why. I said, man, it's something. Like the J. Cole song, Kevin's Heart. Yeah, J. Cole, I want to hear that on the loudspeaker. I want to feel like my black can walk in and I can have my black with my black coffee. I want to feel like that. So that, that's, you know, that's my, that's my or about my, I mean, sorry, that's my nor. That's my nor. This is about ambiance. So Barnes & Noble and Starbucks, get it together. Because I don't want to feel like I'm homeless or like I can't be black in your store where I'm giving you my money, right? So that's my neither nor. We 58 minutes in. See, I'm, and I'm just getting my, I'm getting my wings about me. Because I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to push this podcast to two hours an episode. I heard people, that's older than me. I can't listen to it for two hours. I listen to five podcasts a week. And they all two hours. I listen to Joe Button Podcast, Need to Know Podcast. I listen to Fresher Podcast. I listen to uh, How I Built This on NPR Podcast. Or I listen to uh, NPR Code Switch and Joe Rogan. They be two hours. Joe Rogan be four hours sometimes. And it's just, you know, sometimes it's background noise. But sometimes I believe we want to learn about the culture, about things that I don't know about. Again, I said intellect is about specificity, Right? In your area of emphasis. We getting ready to get into what we not going to do. So I told you earlier, what we not going to do is, is a black colloquialism. It's a blackism. And when you hear somebody black, especially a black woman say, what we not going to do, ain't nothing good happening after that. Because you didn't challenge her integrity. You didn't call her outside her name. You didn't say something she didn't agree with. You didn't do what she told you to damn do. That's when you hear what we're not going to do. What we're not going to do is shame black people for seeing ourselves in the future. Part of the reason why I watch Star Trek, not the original Star Trek with Kirk because I was trash, but why I watch Next Generation, why I watch Deep Space Nine, why I watch uh, Voyager, all every single episode, why I watch this new Star Trek 
with the new sister from Walking Dead that's the lead in it is because black people's in the future. And so Netflix, I just, I just read an article about Netflix, right? They got, what they got? Netflix got, let me pull up my Twitter. And so if you, if you a Netflix head like me, so I don't watch like regular TV, I don't watch it because they don't have nothing on that I be wanting to see at all, ever, right? And so I was scrolling through Netflix. So I, I follow Ava DuVernay with her goddess self. I follow her on Twitter. And guess what? She follows the boy back on Twitter, Ava DuVernay. I say that she's, you know, she's my wife from another life. You know, in the, in the afterlife, we're going to be married. We'll be together. Right? And so I was looking on Netflix. So they got this thing called Strong Black Lead. Right? And so oh, she got a ray. That's about promoting people of color and the work that they do in film, right? And so they got all these shows that came out in May, right? So Baps dropped on 5-1. Her Only Choice dropped 5-1. Knocked Down the House dropped 5-1. Tuca and Berthe dropped on 5-3. Pose Season 1 dropped on 5-10. And then Moonlight. 521, Wanda Sykes Not Normal, 521, The Perfection, dropped on 524, She's Gotta Have It, Season 2, definitely download that, because I'm going to watch that on the plane, today, dropped on 524, and When They See Us, drops in two days, Ava DuVernay, right? What I left off the list was, See You Yesterday, which dropped on 517, guess what that's about? And I don't want to give any spoilers because I, you know, I watched it and I was like, yes. In short, it's about young black geniuses, right? Who live in an impoverished area where white police officers are hostile towards black people, right? And so they figure out a way to time travel, right? As scientists, one of their friends get shot by police officers. And so they try to spend the rest of the show trying to figure out a way to travel back in time to make that shoot never occur. 2,000% absolute genius. Right? So I get that. Jordy LaForge on Star Trek Next Generation, he's big on temporal disturbances. Right? So I get, I get the reverse time loop. So sometimes, in time, the thing that you're trying to stop from happening to you in the present, you going back in the past is the reason why the thing started to happen in your present, which was your future when you went back in the past. It goes back to the Endgame movie with Thanos. They cut Thanos' head off. Thanos' daughter went back in time. Thanos captured his daughter back in time probed her memory, seen himself getting his head cut off after he captured all of the Infinity Stones. So that Thanos in the past knew that he was going to capture the stones. So that was the, the impetus or the catalyst for him to go capture the stones. Sometimes the very thing that you don't want to happen in the present happens because you go back in the past to stop it from happening. And when you try to stop it from happening, that's the very reason it happens. And your past, which is your present or your future, Get out of here. Space-time continuum. So I get it. For instance, in Men in Black 3, Will Smith ends up becoming the man in black. He gets put under 
the wing of the Tommy Davis. Is it Tommy Davis? Tommy Jones? I don't remember his name. Not not Tommy, not Tommy Lee to do that. It was with Pamela Anderson. But Tom, whoever the actor is, him, right? Because of that moment, Will Smith's daddy getting murdered in front of him, essentially, that's the reason why he ends up becoming a man in black. Right? So when he goes back in time to stop not that from happening, he sees that happen. Right? And so sometimes, and, and I love those space-time continuums. I love that man in black. So to see black people travel across the space-time continuum, past to present, present to future, I absolutely love it. Because we exist, right? The oldest bones in humanity was found in Africa. Right? At the basin of the Nile, where the Nile River flows upstream. Black people, Africans, we the original people. Everybody comes from us. Right? So in essence, if you racist against African or black people, you racist against yourself because you came from us. But that's a whole nother lecture. It goes back to this. See You Yesterday is a great movie on Netflix. And I ain't getting a check from Netflix. Let it be known. Netflix ain't paying me nary a dime to promote this show. But I'm promoting it because this show is hot. So what we're not going to do is clown black people for being in the future or having the ingenuity to think that they can build a time-traveling machine to take us back in the past to right a social justice wrong in the future. Whoa! What if we could do that? Goes back to what I said about the black character on Mortal Kombat went back in time and erased shadow slavery so his people never, never was enslaved. Maybe going into the future, black people creating time travel is going to be the ultimate way to enact social justice by removing the social injustices that ever happened in the first place. Ooh. <laughs> That's what I thought. That's just how my mind works. Like, we're getting there where black people going to be outside of time. But that's a whole nother discussion because I feel like I'm outside of time many times anyway. But I, 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 that, I'm, I'm at the end of that, right? So that's about what we're not going to do. We're not going to shame black people for wanting to do that, right? And so, time about. <laughs> so this, this is a gender Talking about, because it's male, it's men that listen to the Facade podcast. I pulled the data up on the Spotify. It's like 55% of the listens are men from 25 to 35 are men. The majority of women that listen to the Facade podcast are 44, 45%, and those women fall in the same age bracket, right? So the majority of the listeners of the Facade podcast is in Oklahoma City, in Texas, in New York, which is, you know, shout out to the New York listeners. And in Salt Lake City. So I get that, right? But so, so this one brother talked about gender travesty in NBA commentating, right? Because we don't have any women that live that do live commentary of the NBA playoffs. And so, you know, you got Shaq and uh Kenny and uh and uh Barkley, they do their thing on TNT, but never women. So you got Reggie and Chris Weber and Mark Albert. Marv Albert, Marv Albert. So then let me give you, a, so just for those who don't know Marv Albert, Marv Albert was the bee's knees until he captured his mistress, tied her up and bit her on her back 
like 52 times. When they, when they found her, that's not funny. But when they found her, she had like 52 bite marks. So they got Marv Albert off of NBC. I was like, his career is over Marv Albert. He is the one sitting next to Reggie Miller and Chris Webber. So, that, so that's one thing I would be asking Marv Albert. What would you eat today? <laughs> Because if you have some human flesh today, I'm not doing this telecast. We need to get rid of you. I, I need to be with Shaq and them so I can get protected from you trying to eat somebody like on uh, Silence of the Lambs. But, but that's a whole other discussion. So the person asked me to talk about punditry from a, diff, from a different lens. And this, this is how they put it. If there were women that were sports pundits, like gender differences... Like it wouldn't travel well, right? So this is what they say. So he said, so he he gives examples. So one time they talking about the pick and roll, right? And Weber says, look at him. He just wide open. No man can ever be that. No, he said, then he says, no man should ever be that wide open. <laughs> Whatever that means. So I'm listening. And then it says, he just up 12. How many bodies do your husband got? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, so uh, I'm confused, right? So did they did they talk about Chris Middleton, right? So they did need Chris Middleton to do his thing, right? And so they talk about how men handle the balls really well. <laughs> this talk about is not. I, I may I may have to uh have, <laughs> I may have to deviate off of this. <laughs> Because he said it's something that you, you would never hear women commentators say. He took that one to the face. <laughs> but he should have known that it was going to be like that because that's how it is when you go down low. <laughs> so you need to have your hard hat on <laughs> and learn how to be tough. And so when I read that talking about, I was like, that's sexist for you to say that. But I understand the psyche of a male listener. So I think that that Reggie Miller and Chris Webber are trash on the announcers. But I would also like to hear women construct the game as it is unfolding. Because I really don't think that they would make those type of comments. What is intriguing is that he hears those comments as sexual. And then he says women couldn't make those type of comments. Which is a stretch. But I don't think that the commentators are thinking about sex at the time that they're doing the game. But take it out of context. I got, I got some friends in my family that's extra homosexual haters. The, so they're, they're, extra, they're extra homophobic and they're extra hex, heterosexist, right? So we had a conversation about just numbers over Memorial Day. And I was saying that there has to be gay and lesbian people in our family because there's not any that's out. And I'm saying that there, there really has to be, right? If you just... No, in any population, there's heterosexual people. There's people who are not heterosexual, right? There, there are people who are same gender loving, people who are not same gender loving. And I'm mindful of that, right? I respect those boundaries that are set up. I'm neither homophobic nor heterosexist. But I understand when you're raised in a highly patriarch, misogynistic household, like some of black men have been done, right? We're going to have those, we're going to ride with those 
at those uh, unfortunate ways of oppressing others who are not same or similar to us. And so we had a discussion with my cousin. I won't say his name, but he got a brother. And we were saying, hey, I said, hey, man, if your brother was gay, would you be cool with that? He was like, no, I wouldn't be cool with that at all. And then I said, well, what if he dressed like non-gender conforming? Like he wore a skirt. So we're we, so we talking about hip-hop. So we're talking about ASAP Rocky wearing a dress. Uh, we're talking about uh, Ludo Zivert wearing a dress when they perform. And he's like, man, we take him outside and beat him down until he didn't never come around again. Because we ain't having him dressed like no woman. I was like, wow. I can hear the anger in the voice. Like, he was serious. He meant that. Like, his brother can't be gay or his brother can't dress like, like outside of gender norms of how cis men should dress. And, I, you know, I laughed nervously, but I was sad about that in hindsight. Right, I was thinking like, man, he would lose his brother's love rather than let his brother be who he was born to be, right? And so that that ain't funny at all. But it just made me think about, you know, I know a lot of people that same gender loving, and I'm cool with it. I mean, my I got a civil engineer's mentality. I burn bridges all the time because I can restruct bridges. I can reconstruct bridges. So if people don't like who I am as Doc Hotch. Or they don't like me as a, a son of hip-hop. They don't like Brian. Like, you can kick rocks. Matter of fact, you can drink bleach because I don't care about you or you not, you know, caring about me or trying to transform me into something that you want me to be. I ain't you. And so I was just like, man, in hindsight, that's kind of sad, right? And so, yeah, that, that Tom Bow was, it sounded rambly, but I get, I, so I, I emailed a person back and I was like, explain it even further. And that, that person just believes, not only does he believe that Weber and Reggie Miller are terrible at announcing, which I think too, that he hears sexuality in conversation. And it got me thinking about, you know, in parallel, the juxtaposition of the Me Too movement. And again, like I said before, how you talk to people. You may think you cool, but they hear you talking in a sexual way and that just don't have no... No good ends. Yeah. So that that's you know that's, that's the end of my talking about. That, that's my gender talking about. I want to hear more women announcers in the NBA giving their color commentary, right? About how the game is unfolding before us. And man, we we in a minute and we in an hour and 14 minutes. Season one, episode seven, facade podcast. My flight leave at 445. Right? So we, we finna wrap this up so I can do my LA touchdown. The D Tangle is the final segment of the Facade Podcast. So listen, I've been doing a whole lot of reflecting just about life in general and what does reciprocity look like? That's my D Tangle. Like what does it look like for you? Right? Like I, like I can have a bag of PhDs when I go home, when my elders ask me to cut their yard, clean their house, take their trash out, to me, I'm supposed to do that. Ain't no reciprocity. They don't owe me nothing. But you know, if my Joanne made me a sweet potato pie, whoa, lie. That's the best gift ever. Like that's that's cultural reciprocity. It may take me six hours to do the work she asked me to do. It may take her six hours to make that pie. To me, that's the same. Actually, it's more, I owe her more because that's the love. She won't teach me. Angel Ann, if you're listening, teach me how to make the sweet potato pie. 
Stop hoarding on the uh, recipes. I need to know too. My great grandkids need to taste your pie that I made. So search, share the recipe. But what does your reciprocity look like? I want you to think about it. Like whatever you do. Is it you want to hold people accountable? So you let people hold you accountable? Is it you celebrate people? Like I went to graduation celebration parties. And it made me think like people make a big deal about when, when you know, Ray Ray get out of prison from his bid. They throw Ray Ray the extra extravagant party. But when it's time for the kids to go to college, they barely get noticed. They party don't be like that. Don't be lavish. Don't be no strippers at their graduation party. Don't be money getting thrown up in the air. Not that it should be because it's a graduation party. But I'm just saying, at Ray Ray's party, and I went to Ray Ray's coming home party, it was off the it was just, it was bananas, right? I don't want to say off the chain because that made me think about slavery. So I don't want to say that. I don't want to say off the chain. But it was just, you know, it was black opulence at the Ray Ray coming home from prison party. And so I want to see that, that same celebration when, our, when black youth are going off to college to do their thing, right? So shout out to the black youth going out to college, graduating from high school, college to do their thing, right? And so anyway, what's your reciprocity? look like? I want you to think about it. How do you give back to individuals? How do you give back to your community? What are your expectations? I hate expectations, but I do have an expectation of reciprocity because once you don't meet those expectations, relationships are destroyed, period. Relationships die when people don't meet those expectations. And so, you know, I, I just want you to think about that, what it could look like for you, what your love looks like, what your support looks like, you know, I thought about the other day, to what extent are we, are we empowering the people that we love that surround us as students to be successful? Or to what extent are we like serving as a crutch, enabling them to not be successful, right? So I'm not beyond reproach. If you're in the sound of my voice and you know me, if I do anything wrong, let me know. Because I might not think that I did something wrong. But if you think that I did something wrong to you or around you to offend your culture, let me know on this podcast or face to face. Talk to me in my person. Let me know. Because even though this podcast is about having a person, a persona or a facade, I operate my person. So get at me. Talk to me. Let me know. I want to be a better person. Totally. And so that's the end of season seven's episode of the Facade Podcast. That's my detangle. We at an hour and 18 minutes. We got to end today. Oh, the Facade Podcast, just so y'all know, I'm getting ready to transition to a week format. So going in June, I'm going to drop every Wednesday. That's how we're getting it in. We're getting ready to ramp it up. I got to teach one summer course. I got to get this comedy thing popping. If y'all got some ideas for comedy bits to include, let me know. Because I got a comedy bit that is nuts. About feces. <laughs> Not that I'm asphyxiated on feces, but hey, that's what we're going to do. So anyway, I want to thank y'all for listening. Facade Podcast, good ready to drop every Wednesday once a week. So be ready to hear it. Our merch getting ready to drop. I'm going to give you some information about that. Thank y'all. Follow us on Twitter, 
at Facade Podcast on Instagram at Facade Pod. Follow me, Dr. B. Hoskins, across all social media. I appreciate your ears. We maraud for ears. <laughs>